0: welcome to the great lakes fishing podcast presented by fishhawk electronics if you're looking for news tips and stories about fishing the great lakes you've come to the right place and now your host chris larson
1: good evening and welcome to fishhawk live in the great lakes fishing podcast tonight our guest is captain matthew Baining from relentless pursuit sport fishing really appreciate him coming on and taking some time out Welcome to the show.
0: Uh, Glad to be here.
1: Captain, before we get started, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and Relentless Pursuit Sport Fishing.
0: Sure. Uh, You know, lifelong Illinois resident. Been fishing the Great Lakes ever since I was a little kid. Started out fishing the pier heads. Worked my way up through recreational boating to starting a charter business. So, um, I run a 38-foot tier open out of North Point Marina, we target the five, ma- the five major species out here on the Great Lakes. Um, you know, I, as I tell all my customers, we're going to get you on the fish. I can't tell you how many we're going to catch every day, but we're going to do our best to get you as many as we can.
1: Yeah, you've got a, a heck of a boat. Tell us a little bit more about your boat and uh, what that's about, having a boat that size coming out onto the lake.
0: Yeah, so thirty eight Tierra with an overall length of 43 feet. Over a 14-foot beam. My boat's completely equipped with all Garmin electronics, Fishhawk, Cannon Downriggers, the Optimum Series, which interact with the Fishhawk. Um, This is top of the line, top equipment, Shimano rods, reels. And if you want to go out, have a great experience, catch some fish, and get to experience the whole thing in comfort, and your wives are happy, this is the boat for it.
1: And speaking of comfort, you're actually on your boat right now. You just came off the water with the with charter group today. Tell us a little bit about the fishing you had today.
0: Yep. Uh, we had a, had a small group today. Um, we caught their limit in a few hours. Mixed bag, you know, this time of year for our waters, a mixed bag is pretty typical. Um, some kings around, a little smaller ones today, along with our lake trout that are usually here. So uh, it was just a good all-around trip. Um Caught three species, a couple cohos, some kings, and, of course, our lakers. Um, you really can't beat the fishing out of this port. It's just a multi-species port. You know, we in the spring, we get our cohos. In the fall, we're chasing lakers and everything in between that time frame.
1: Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that next. Uh, you've fished out of this harbor, Winthrop Harbor, for for decades now. Um, tell the audience about the port, where it's located, and, and what it's like to fish out of there.
0: So, Winthrop Harbor, North Point Marina, is literally on the Illinois-Wisconsin state line. If you pull out of our harbor mouth and you go 100 yards, you are in Wisconsin waters. So, the reason why it's such a great harbor for us here in Illinois, it's the farthest north, but it also is very close to deep water. So, we don't spend a lot of time running to get to where these fish are. Also, you know, we can run south quite a ways as the fish start to migrate through our waters in the spring when it warms up. We can go south of Waukegan but then we can also chase them back all the way to the home port Uh, it's also the largest marina on the Great Lakes Um, we have a large charter fleet a lot of good amenities here and it's just just a great place to fish out of
1: yeah a big harbor that that means a lot of boats tell us a little bit about what that fishing can be like uh you got some combat fishing there. How, how competitive it can it get when you fish out of a harbor like that? Obviously, you're fishing out of Chicago, a very large city. You've got a Port Waukegan below you. You've got Racine Kenosha above you. What, what's it like out there?
0: Yeah, you know, on a Thursday like today, it's not too bad. A calm day when the word's out and the fish are in. We have a lot of small boats. A lot of charters are out. Just everybody and their brother is typical um so it does get pretty busy at times and there are times where those fish they're 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 bunched up and the boats are bunched up too and if you can find some fish off by yourself and just keep them to yourself it's it's the best way to go so you know it doesn't always work that way but you know if the word is out like it was a few weeks ago we had a bunch of four-year-old kings staging out on our structure the word got out and guess what it was Tin Boat City out there, as those charter guys call it. I mean, boats go in every different direction, and it gets pretty hectic. And, you know, we all have a right to the waterway. and Nobody um, earns it any more than anybody else. But courtesy does go a long way when you might have three or six rods, and some of us guys got 18 rods out uh, kind of work together as a group. But it can get pretty crowded, especially on a Saturday and Sunday,
1: for sure. You talked a little bit about structure. What What is the structure like outside of your port? What's going on out there? What are kind of some of the key points out there that guys are looking for?
0: Yeah, so the majority of our structure here off North Point, um, we have what we call the hill. And basically the hill is, is between 60 and about 100 foot of water. It really stair steps down. And then also in that water, there's some humps. And those slight humps, Um, make a huge difference, and they hold fish, especially the kings. Um, In years past, when our king fishing used to be a little better than it was, when they had the stockings were a little higher, you could go to 100 feet on the hill, and you're going to get them fish the inside of the hill, over the top of the hill, or the other side. Uh, We also have a few reefs just off Waukegan that I fish a lot personally, the North Reef, the South Reef. Um, You know, I run a diesel boat. Again, I can, I will go to where those fish are. It doesn't Stop me to run 15 miles to get on them. But those fish will relate to that structure a lot when it gets to be this time of year and we got Kings nosing in the, you know, they're getting ready to, they're, they're staging right now and they're just laying there and we have a lot of warm water right now and they're right on the bottom with those lake trout. And as soon as we could get a little bit of a blow and we could get our water turned up, it's gonna be lights out in the next few weeks here. I can, it's, it's calming. It's just a matter of when the water turns and the fish move in a little better so the structure is a key spot and everybody wants to be in there when the fish are there of course and uh you know it's it's just fishing so we all got to work together on it
1: Yeah, we're starting to get some questions now on facebook uh thanks rick mensell for liking and sharing the video tonight uh rick would like to know what's your program look like right now for trolling on or near that structure
0: so right now we've been fishing just on the outside of that structure Um, There are some fish there. If you're out there at like 4 a.m. pre-dawn, I don't leave the dock till 435. So I'm missing a little bit of that bite. So today, a perfect example, I set up in 150 foot of water. 150 to 200 was my sweet spot. Um, We're running down riggers. You know, my shallowest rigger was 70 feet all the way. I have a trout rig on the bottom. We're running long coppers. I mean, 450s, 500s. 400s my 300s never took a bite today they were all longer than that and then our wires wire divers out you know earlier 170 as the sun gets up we start sliding them out as far as 300 350 feet of wire on a mag diver and then they start they're taking hits so um this time of year we do regardless how many people on the boat we do run a few less rods because those big four-year-olds are around and when we get one on it's not always the best at, you know, less is more sometimes because they just get in all your gear and tangle things up. And we, we have enough times, enough trouble managing that at times, but uh, it's been a, it's been a pretty good uh, flash or fly bite on uh dipsies and, you know, mag spoons and standards, even super slims. We've been, we've been banging them on the dreamweaver super slims on riggers. Uh, it's been, it's just kind of all over. If we can get all the rods working, which is always our goal or that's, that's how we get the box. Uh, you get your riggers working, but you can't get your divers going or your coppers. It's tough to make a box of fish.
1: Nice. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier in the show about just how the season progresses. I know the coho early in the year is a big deal down there. Uh, just tell us a little bit about that coho run and kind of the timing of that and, and what that's like to be fishing down there when the coho are on.
0: Yeah, that's, that's all us charter guys' favorite time. Uh, This year they showed up and they showed up early and they showed up close to home. So we were making competitions. Who could set the lines quicker? I had riggers in the water before we ever left the harbor mouth to see if we could catch them in the harbor. Um, They were right off the rocks. These fish start to show up early April. Um, They usually stick with us until about the 4th of July. Um, Of course, they're a lot bigger in July than they are in April and the numbers are less but it is great fishing i mean that's where we're putting full racks full limits 20 30 fish depending on how many people we have on the boat and just tons of opportunity um those fish anybody can get out there and really get after them and nine times out of ten they're in that shallow water and the reason is is these fish are migrating from the south end of the lake and they're looking for that warm water if the warm water is out front great sometimes it's south of waukegan I've ran as far as Glencoe to go get them because they're there. And then when they're there, they're in numbers. And when you go through a school of them, you're going to usually pick up a bunch of them. And it's, that's absolutely the best time of year to fish this for anybody that ever charged with me this time of year. I say, if you want to go for numbers, you want to go in May and June, guaranteed good fishing.
1: Nice. You're, so you're fishing that as a shallow water bite. How are you targeting the water column that time of year when you're going after those cohos?
0: So what we're doing is we're running a lot of yellow birds and double lot uh, lure Jensen Dodgers with peanut flies with keel sinkers. So we'll run anywhere from four to five boards per side. I personally run them all identical. I'll run one side with five eighths keel sinkers and one side with half ounce, and I'll see what they like better. And based on that, I'll switch them all out. Um, sometimes if the water's a little dirty, we'll always throw a couple fire dots in there. Um, we also run, uh, over here, we run these stubby dodgers um, that we get from a local tackle supply. And we run those on the rigger, real tight to the ball, real shallow. We'll run four divers. Again, put a, put a standard little diver out. You could see the bait behind it, and you, like, practically lift the rod up, and there's the fish. Um, so these fish are in the top five feet of the water column. As the season progresses, the water starts to warm up. We pull a few of those out, we start putting out some short leads, so anywhere from two to five colors, depending on where the fish are, and then it kind of transitions into that to the longer leads, and then we transition to, you know, coppers, you know, later in the year, but the spring fishing, it's a shallow game, the double ops, if you come into uh, anywhere on this side of the lake from Racine to Waukegan, every charter boat is going to have a 100 you know, lure Jensen, double art red Dodgers with peanut flies or two-inch flies on it, some stubbies going, and that's going to be the majority of the spread that time of year.
1: Another question from Facebook. Uh, this is Ken Rodenhouse, and he said, you know, that those fish come up looking for warm water. How warm? What kind of water temperatures are you kind of targeting when you're going after the coho early in the year?
0: So sometimes it, could, it only needs to be in the low 50s. 55 would be perfect. Uh, there's occasions where we'll pull out of the harbor mouth here and it'll be 48 at North Point. You go south of Waukegan, it'll be 53. And that's where the fish are. So definitely when it gets into the 50s, is it's def- more consistent that we're going to get those fish. So, you know, water clarity plays a big part in that as well, because, you know, depending on which way is the lake blown, is the mud line out, you know, a mile because we had a northeast blow and the water's chocolate milk. If it's chocolate milk, I'm not going to fish in there. I'm going to try to get to the edge of that mud line. So, but the water temp is everything. And in the 50s, low 50s to mid 50, I mean, it's perfect, you know. And even when these fish move offshore slightly, sometimes they'll be right on the shore and at 20 to 30. And then all of a sudden, they move. And it's like, okay, did they go back south or are they out? And sometimes they might move out to 60 feet, 70 feet. But they're still in that top 10 foot of the water column. They're not down deep. They're always right up on the top until the water really starts to warm up.
1: Speaking of warming up now, I was just on Lake Ontario uh, last week, and we were battling water temperatures and trying to find that sweet spot. Uh, Ken's got a follow-up question. He wants to know how warm a water are we we fishing right now?
0: So right now on the surface, we are right around 68, 69 degrees. So I send my probe down, you know, 91 feet that's about where the break is so um, some of those fish uh, we're catching yeah they're up 70 feet they're fishing out of temp they're feeding out of temp but they're also going right back down there so right now the deeper you go it, it raises up a little bit but I'd say that 90 foot right now out of this harbor is where the where the temp break is for that 55 degree water
1: We've been talking uh, a lot of coho and a couple of questions mixed in, but as the season progresses, well, how, how do things kind of transition when you go from kind of full on coho mode and you start moving on into the middle of the summer?
0: So, yeah, we, we start to transition, like I say, kind of at the beginning of July. Um, we start to lose the cohos. You know, they're, they're, they're pushing through these waters. And, uh, you know, we're looking for other fish, you know sometimes that's lake trout sometimes we get the steelhead real good we'll go out deep get the steelhead um then usually especially end of june early july which was used to be our go-to time for kings around here some kings start showing up so then you know we start fishing for those um so coho fishing to the king start to show up with a few cohos mixed in with some steelhead and of course lakers and then as that starts to go into august like now You know, we're still getting some steelhead and still getting coho, but the kings are getting bigger and we're definitely getting um, more of them. This was the first trip and I think the last four or five morning trips that I ran that we haven't um, got a four-year-old, you know. So we transition through that. And then once these kings start to spawn in the next few weeks, you know, they kind of disappear and they're kind of hard to find. You, You might catch a few younger class salmon. And then in September, most of us guys, charter guys, we're going lake trout fishing. We're going to go to the south reef where they spawn, you know, some other reefs around as well, and we're going to target our trout. Um, they're there to be caught. they are usually some big ones sometimes, sometimes not, but we're going to go after the trout. You know, we, we need to catch them. And, you know, like kind of like we were talking before the, the, this all started, you can only catch what's in the water that you're surrounded by. So whatever that may be is what we're going to target.
1: Nice. Uh, Captain Matt, it's early August right now. Let's say I'm going to give you a challenge. I'm going to send you out on the water tomorrow morning. You're going by yourself. So I'm going to limit your rods. You can't put out a bunch of rods. What would your strategy be if you're going to go after Kings tomorrow morning by yourself?
0: So if I was going to go out by myself tomorrow, it'd be one of two things. It's either going to be two riggers and a diver, or two divers and a rigger. And on that rigger, I'm going to run an SWR, most likely with a mag spoon on it. And on my two uh, wires, I'm going to have flasher flies. One might be a meat rig, um, eight-inch paddle with a muscle-headed meat rig. The other one, probably just one of my go-to king baits. And as the sun gets up, I'll, I'll probably start out with a white glow on one. As the sun gets up, switch it to a chrome. Um, But, you know, I always know on a flasher and fly, I can usually always get them um, if they're there to be had. But with that being said, I catch a lot of them on spoons, too. So those would be if I go out fishing, that's what I, I would do by myself.
1: All right. Here's a, here's a good one. Uh, Rick, once again, wants to know, uh, plan B. And I I always like this too, because, you know, I think as a, as someone who's, uh, a great angler, a great fisherman, I'm going to assume that you're a great fisherman. i never fished with you before, but, uh, based on your, your track record, I'm going to say that you're a great fisherman. Uh, what's your plan B if you go out there and plan A is not going, how do you transition throughout the day?
0: You know, that's, that's a great question. It's kind of what we do every day. Um, my plan this time of year is I'm gonna go where I think the kings are, the silverfish, and I'm gonna fish for silverfish. And I'll tell my customers that you know we're gonna we're gonna try for kings early on. And uh, sometimes I won't even put my lake tr- lake trout paddle down. I will strictly silverfish for the first two hours, and then after that, we're gonna go catch our lake trout. I know I can catch them. Um, so usually I start in a certain area close where the, I know there's some, going to be some Kings and some silverfish. And then I know close enough to where the trout probably are that I can get them. And then when I want to go trout fishing, slow the boat down a little bit, put the paddle down, swap out a few other baits, let my, you know, my divers out a little bit, stretch them out 350 and boom. Now all of a sudden, some of those baits that were catching Kings, I know they'll catch a trout. I put dedicated trout baits on, so we transition. As the sun gets up, the bite starts to turn off. We try to get all, you know, like today, I had two guys on the boat. We caught our 10 fish in a few hours. You know, the first four fish that we boxed, minus, you know, plus the ones they missed, they were all silverfish bites. Once those quit, then we started transitioning into catching our trout. We caught all our trout. We needed one more silverfish to get the box, and we were lucky enough to get a coho late in the day. But it doesn't usually happen that way. So,
1: yeah, it's uh, it's tough out there. A lot of times they don't they don't want to follow the the plan that you put together.
0: (laughs) No, not at all. They, uh, you know, it's sometimes if you can't get those silverfish to go early, we know we're in trouble. Then we're gonna go trout fishing. You want to go out on an afternoon charter? I know where I left them this morning. I'm gonna go to the deepest spot or deeper than that, and I know I'm gonna be able to catch the trout. And i hope i can get a few silverfish to go you know especially this time of year sometimes it's very difficult in the afternoons this time of year to get out there so it's i mean and i'm not talking about the evening bite i'm talking from noon till 5 30. heat of the day you know fish can be caught it's not like in the spring where these cohos will bite throughout the day but we can get the job done if you know we work at it hard enough and it's the biggest thing is with all this stuff is you know i'm constantly changing baits if i'm not getting bit i'm swapping them out i i just can't sit there and just watch them you know i gotta get the bites you know these people are here to have a great time from the minute they get on the boat they get the whole experience of the boat leaving the harbor at zero dark 30 to watching the fish come into the boat and at the end of the trip when we're cleaning the fish and watching the seagulls it's the whole the whole thing that's what makes it so great of uh activity to do and you got to catch the fish to, to give them the whole experience. So, and, you know, that's what they're here to do.
1: I love how you how you painted that picture for us. You talked a little bit earlier about, uh, you know, things were different back in the day. They stocked more. How would you say that, that your area has kind of changed since you've been doing this? I don't want to make you sound like an old guy, but uh, I did read your bio. It says you've been fishing this area for decades. So uh, how, how have things changed kind of since you started to where it's at today, as far as uh, uh, Lake Michigan waters that you fish.
0: Yeah, I mean, back in the day, I remember as a kid, you know, and even in my twenties, and you know, as recent as probably 2014, 15, 16, some of those years, we go to 100 foot, set up on the hill, and that's all you had to do. And it was like, oh, there's a cookie cutter 10 pound king. Oh, there's an, there's there's one eight pounds, and it was all kings. Kings and co you know what I mean? We didn't fish for trout. You didn't need to. Um, you know, yeah, we get a 20. A 20 is a good fish. Um, you know, and then they cut the stockings back to balance the predator-prey model in the lake. And it's really made it where we have to target other species to get the fish because they're just not there to be caught. Um, This year, now they've increased the stockings the last, I think it's the last two years. And now we're starting to get some of those middle age class salmon mixed in with the four-year-olds and the little shaker kings that we always get this time of year. So we're starting to get a little bit of it to come back. But if it was to rely on kingfish, you know, we'd we'd be in big trouble. You know, it's not like Michigan that, you know, those fish just pile up or you go up to Algoma, they pile up. It's just not like that. The advantage we have is I fish some of those northern ports in my free time with my wife. And a lot of times you go up there in the midsummer. It's like if the kings are there, it's lights out. When they're not, it's terrible. And here there's always something to catch. So, you know, that is probably the one beautiful thing about our port. There's always something to catch. Um, It might not be what you want to catch, but, you know, It's still fishing we're still out on the water having a great time so you know it's better than a day at
1: work we talked a little bit uh earlier before we went on about uh, some of the other fishing that you do and uh, you brought it up there a little bit uh, some of the fun fishing you do if you can't fish out of your home port where else would you like to fish on lake michigan what are some of your favorite spots along the lake
0: so you know i fish um i do run my boat for my personal use as well as my business um, I would I still run a few tournaments every now and again with uh, family and friends just as a, a break from the the chartering. Um, but my you know, my wife and I, Fourth of July, I, every year, I mean, we want to go to Port Washington, Port Washington to Sheboygan, and that can be really good water. And it was this year for us with my wife and I, we had six rods, two wires, two riggers, a ten color, and an eight color, And one morning, We had two really big four-year-olds, a couple smaller silverfish. Within two and a half hours, we said, okay, that's good. And we we went into town and enjoyed the rest of the day. So for where we're at, that can be really good that time of year. You know, now Algoma, that's the spot to be if you really want to try to chase big kings. Um, In the spring, all the guys from Algoma, they come down to our port. Why? Because they got no fish up there. So we get a big group of guys that come from Algoma every year, they come down, they join us in the charter fleet, great bunch of guys, we have a good time with them, and their fish are waters, and they're coho fishing, because they got no fish, and then it's kind of reverse, they get all the kings, we don't hardly have any, now again, they're increasing the stocking, so it is getting better than it used to be, but you know, for a local port, you know, Racine's great, the Rut River discharges really good into the lake, and they get a good return there. Waukegan gets a good return. Kenosha gets a good return. So the nice thing is where North Point is, even though they don't stock Kings here, they do stock some Steelhead and some Browns and things like that. We're kind of in between all of these other ports that do stock. So we, we benefit from them being stocked, you know, seven miles up the lake, eight miles down the lake, you know, we and, you know, 16 miles to the rut, you know. So to run up to – to Racine to go fishing for myself, I'll do it all day long. I go up there to get fuel, so it can. There's a lot of really good ports in this section of the lake, um, but those northern ports, they're they can be pretty lights out at certain times of the year.
1: You talked a little bit about fishing with your wife, and I think a lot of people when they try to make a decision to buy these boats and buy all the stuff they want to do to go do this, I think uh, part of that is just to spend more time with their family. For some, it's their wife; for some, it's their kids. Tell us a little bit about. Uh, you, your experience fishing with your significant other, and what's that like for you to get on the water with your wife?
0: So yeah, my wife is uh, was born and raised in South Dakota, so I'm pretty fortunate. She grew up in the outdoors and uh, her family still enjoys it to this day. And uh, so for her, it's, it's second nature. Uh, the big water in the beginning was a little intimidating for her, but she did get over it. And, uh, but if your wife's not on board with what I do, there'd be no way I could do what I do. I mean, it'd be, it'd be very difficult. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, if you get everybody into it, you get, you know, my wife, when we were up on vacation, first big fish bite, I make sure she got it. you know, I want her to reel it in. You know, I want to see her get that excitement and enthusiasm that customers do or my children, the same thing, you know, to take them out. And, you know, the most important thing is to get these kids out fishing and the, and the spouses and the wives and, and uh, to share this is a great resource that we have. And you know, and I, I say this about it to a lot of people about fishing in general. It doesn't matter if you're two years old or you're 102 years old, you can go fishing in some fashion. So it's something that you can get out, enjoy the outdoors, and go do it. So don't be afraid to take your wife with, take your kids with. You know, yeah, you're not gonna maybe go all day, maybe. And make sure you go when you think it's good, and the bugs aren't bad, or the waves aren't too big. And I know that's a lot to say at once, but you know, if you can get her on board with what you're doing, you're gonna you're gonna succeed on what you're
1: trying to achieve. You spend a lot of time on the water and a lot of people bring their significant other, their kids with them. What are some things that you see that kind of kill a day if you're trying to uh, bring somebody else along that maybe doesn't have a lot of experience out there? What are some things that people can do to make that experience a little little more fun for everybody?
0: Yeah, probably the the biggest thing is, uh, you know, a lot of people don't really understand that Lake Michigan, along with all the other Great Lakes, is more of an inland sea than it is a lake. And... You get a lot of people, they get seasick, or AKA the Lake Michigan flu, as we call it, and it ruins their trip, or one person will get sick, and it's like, if I say it's going to be rough, it's going to be rough, but it's going to be fishable, and to take, you know, an anti-nausea medication, don't be up all night the night before, you know, those are important things, also, you know, go into it with whatever you are. With an open mind, um, you know we do get customers. Oh, I want to catch, I want to catch my limit every time. Okay, well we're going to do our best, but go into it for the experience, and you will be pleasantly surprised at the end. Um, if you want to go meat hunting, it's that's not really you know yeah we're going to catch a lot of fish, but don't think of think of that. If you really just want fish, you can go to a grocery store. You're going out here to have a great time and, you know, so set your expectations where they need to be. Make sure you take your anti-nausea medicine if you think you might even get seasick and just be prepared with rain gear, you know, all the things you need to be on the water for the day.
1: Starting to get a couple more questions here. Uh, seems like the same guys though. So if anyone else out there has some questions, fire away here. Uh, Ken Rodenhouse wants to know what's your target speed when you're running your meat rigs.
0: So like any flash or fly, these you know I like that two three. You know if if
1: I'm not uh, one
0: of those people that says it has to be at a certain speed, I'm you know. You can catch a trout at 1.9. You can catch a salmon at 1.9 miles an hour. You can catch them at 2.5. I let the, the fish tell me for that day the speed that they want. And the current sometimes plays a role in that. And, you know, I go out there. If I'm anywhere from 2.3 to 2.5, I'm going to let it ride for a little while until I see. Get all my rods in the water. I haven't got bit yet. I'm going to start adjusting things. I'm going to change my angle and the current. I'm going to slow my boat down. I'm going to speed my boat down. I'm going to really start to figure out, you know, why I'm not getting bit, especially if I'm marking them on electronics.
1: All right. Here's another one uh, from David Hallback. He'd like to know if you ever use cut plug herring. And I guess the second part of that question for me would be, uh, if not, what are you using for meat on your meat rigs?
0: So I do buy the meat strips from the local tackle shop. Occasionally uh, Pacific herring. Um, I also, when these allies are in the harbor, uh, earlier in the summer, I will dip net them and, uh, brine them and flay them myself and vacuum seal them in packs of three. So and I only like the side with the tails because I'm sure that's going to be his next question.
1: All right. Uh, one more question here. This one's from Rick again. And we did talk about this earlier in the show. You were talking about, uh, different different amounts of stocking efforts and uh, a lot of that, you know, they pulled the stocking back down because they didn't think the bait fish population was right. Uh, How do you feel the bait fish population in the lake is right now today?
0: It's definitely better than it was. Was it like it used to be? No. Um, But it's better. I think the stockings help or reducing the stockings definitely help. And the proof is even in the size of the fish we're catching. You know, people are catching 30s. They're catching close to 40s. I mean, you know, personally, I'd rather catch four that weigh 18 pounds and one that's 30. That's me. I have a lot of people on the boat. I want to reel them in. And sometimes, just because of that extra 10 pounds, they don't always fight any better when they get to that size. So, to me, it's a numbers game. Yeah, everybody wants the hero fish. They all want the state record. Um but at the end of the day, if they're 18 or they're 28, you know, I'll take them anyway. I can get them.
1: Yeah, they're they're good fish. And like you say, a lot of times the bigger they get, uh, the fight isn't quite as good. And I I, I think uh, probably the, the table fare uh, gets a little bit lackluster the bigger they get as well.
0: I couldn't agree more. Yeah, they get, you know, when we get these big ones in, you put them on the table and they're like, holy cow, that flay is huge. I'm like, I got I to gotta slab it out. Otherwise, it's going to fall apart. It's just too much meat, you know, and for sure. I mean, the, the biggest one we caught on the boat this year, a customer caught, was a 28. It was a big fish. And, you know, but did it fight any harder than an 18 or a 17 I caught? No. I mean, when it got to the back of the boat, he just kind of just came right up the shoot. It was no big deal. He took some nice runs, but, you know, I knew it was a four-year-old, I didn't quite realize how big he was until we put him on the back deck.
1: All right, you talked a little bit about uh, seeing them on the electronics. You told me a little bit earlier that you're running Garmin. Tell us a little bit about some specifics on the electronics you're running and why you chose those for your boat.
0: Sure. I, uh, I have triple chart plotters on my boat. Uh, I have a Garmin 8617 and two Garmin 8610s. Um, I run mid-range chirp along with Clearview, Sonar, and I have the Fishhawk, like I said, XD, interconnects with my Canon, uh, Tournament Series, uh, Optimums, Garmin Autopilot, Garmin Radar. And, you know, I got hooked on Garmin several years ago and every boat since then. Um, I just, it's what I know. And Garmin is really easy to work with and use. Their customer service is great. And I just personally like their electronics.
1: All right. We talked earlier, you said, you said, you uh... You know, when the guys come down from the ports of the north, hang out with you guys on Winthrop, what is that like? Tell me a little bit about the atmosphere on the docks between the charter captains. I mean, give us a peek behind the curtains. What goes on when when all the, the, the paying customers leave it's just you guys hanging out there? What's that like?
0: So they definitely work together, as do us. And I'm a member of the North Point Charter Boat Association, and we have several members And we all respect each other for sure. Do we all talk to each other on the phone? No. Uh, We have a core group of people we work with. And those guys, when they come down, they bring enough boats with them. They have their own network. Um, Are they nice guys? Absolutely. Do we invite them to our spring dinner? Sure. They're great guys. You know, am I going to cut them off? Am I going to do anything stupid? Absolutely not. Is he going to tell me where the fish are? No. <laughs> Do I need him to tell me where the fish are? No. So you know, they definitely, there's definitely a little bit of that, and it's like any port you go to. There's always uh, some friendly camaraderie slash competition amongst us, and uh, you know, who uh, who gets the big ones and who doesn't, and you know, you know, some days you know I might catch more than the next guy, and then other days, guess what? He'll have fish me. It's just the way it is. Nobody's perfect every day. And, you know, we all are on the phone chatting, and it's, you know, it's not like what some people probably think like, oh, what'd you get them on exactly? Well, no, we're not looking for that. We're just looking like, hey, were you out? Yeah, I got them here. Blah, blah, blah. This was good. That was good. It's kind of more relaxed than a lot of people think. It's not like when you go to the cleaning station and the guy asks you 10 questions. What'd you catch them on? How'd you catch them? You know, were you doing in circles or whatever? We don't, uh, we don't get that in depth about it. Um, it's more of a high level overview, or even when we're out on the water, you know, like, hey, how you doing over there? What are you getting? Oh, yeah, this one's working for me. How about this? Blah, blah, blah. We, we share information like that. And, you know, we love to talk on the phone. Um, it's no secret. And we have our channels on the radio, of course. But if we can talk on the phone, we will talk on the phone for sure.
1: All right, that's a good look inside. But what's something about being a charter captain, that most people don't think about? If everybody's like, oh, man, this is a dream job to fish all all the time, what's something about being a charter captain that most people don't realize?
0: Uh, the long days, the maintenance, the cleanup after everybody leaves, the prep before they all get there. Um, it's a boat. They all break. And you got to keep throwing money at them to keep them in top running condition and and the cleaning just as i get back to the dock for the day doesn't mean i'm done i gotta scrub my boat i gotta clean my boat i gotta get prepped for the next you know it's a business so i'm reaching out to my customers for the next trip i'm I'm trying to look at the weather um yeah at the end of the day we gotta go fishing a lot you know and that is partially why i do it i love to fish and you know it's it's the way i get to do it but there's definitely a lot of work that goes Behind the scenes to be out there that many days a week.
1: All right. Uh, here's another one from Facebook, another one from Ken. He says, What do you think the best cannonball is for the fish hawk? He says he thinks his pancake weights are causing erratic readings. Ken, if you've got trouble with that, I'm gonna let Matthew uh answer the question with what he uses for a cannonball, but Ken. Go to our website tomorrow, uh, sometime during business hours, and drop on our chat there. And we have uh, product specialists always waiting uh, to answer those types of questions. They'll certainly be able to help you out. And they'll ask you a few questions uh, about specifics about what you're doing. But uh, they'll get you going. But, Matt, uh, what's your favorite cannonball for Fishhawk?
0: So on mine right now, I actually run a 15 on my probe rigger. And the only reason that for that is is safety. Uh, I have had the cable snap, the safety cable in between the probe and the weight. Uh, I don't run a true pancake on that, but I run the modified one where it's it's a thin weight, but it's probably an inch wide. Um, there's a there's a I think they're called Willie T balls or something like that. It's a rubber coated one. I run those. I've ran round balls on them. I mean, I run twenties and 15s on all year long. I don't switch them. And uh, I've never noticed a difference or a problem with that. Um, the thing of it is, is regardless of what you're doing, that probe can pivot on that cable. So depending on what the current's doing, anyways, you know, I don't, I don't really think your uh, weight is affecting that. I think what you're seeing is is the current um, today. You know, this time of year we get a lot of current, and you go in one direction, and I can see my speed over ground is like, let's say. Two, three, and at the ball I'm doing two, 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 whatever, two, four. Then all of a sudden I turn and go the other way. Man, I'm like, I'm like, I could, I just tell them the noise in my boat, like, man, I'm almost going three miles an hour on the surface, but down there I'm only going two, two. And it's just, it's it's not the ball, it's it's the current that's it's changing things. And you know, the, the biggest advice I can give to you, or anybody, especially when you're fishing deep, you look at the back of your downrigger cable. If that downrigger cable is not going straight off that boom, stand right behind it, if it's not straight, you're not doing it right. If that cable is off to the side one way or the other, your presentation is not looking right. It might not be the way you want to go, but when you get that cable straight, I can tell you at least your gear is running straight in the water, and that probe will work better for you as well, and you will catch more fish. So there are days you just can't do it because of wave action, but if you can, get that cable straight right behind the back of the boat, and you will have way better success.
1: That's a great tip, Matthew. Uh, it's been a nice time talking with you. We're 41 minutes in right now. Is there something that you wanted to talk about tonight that I didn't ask you about?
0: Uh, no, I, uh, I kind of pretty much covered everything. Um, I will say on a larger boat like mine, um, the Canon Optimum, you know, tournament series downriggers I run make my job a lot easier. Uh 38 Tierra has you know a couple steps to the helm deck not that i can't step up there and look and as i am back and forth adjusting my speed watching for boat traffic but all i got to do is lean over and i have the extra sonar on the one downrigger i can see my down speed i can see my probe speed the temp and everything and i'm so i'm paying out line and i'm setting gear and all i do is got to keep glancing down i will run that same screen on three of my four downers so if i'm on the border starboard side of the boat it does not matter all i got to do is glance down and it's backlit it looks like looking at your phone i don't have to pull out a flashlight put the cheaters on to see where where they're at um i know exactly and you know they pull a 20 pound weight it's and they're fast so i i really like them i love that they integrated with fishhawk on it. it it makes my life easier so
1: yeah, I got a chance to fish with a couple of guys with the Optimums uh, last week, and you can definitely uh, see the difference. You can definitely tell that it, it's it really is beautiful to have that data back there when you're fishing and you don't have to to look around. So if it's one of those things that you've got the uh, the finances to do it, it's a, it's a very cool thing. Uh, Captain Matt, if uh, people are interested in finding out more about you, what's the best way to do it?
0: The best way to go onto my website, RelentlessPursuitSportFishing.com. You can go right on that page. Uh, You can kind of see what we're doing. We also have an Instagram page uh, along with a Facebook page, RelentlessPursuitSportFishing. You know, basically what you see posted, good or bad, is what's on there. There's Some trips aren't as good as others, and we don't hide anything. It is what it is. Uh, So... You know, you can book directly online through my website. You don't have to call me. You can see my calendar. You can see what date you want to go, what dates I have available. If you do have additional questions, more than happy to take your phone call to answer those for you. But other than that, the website will pretty much cover every question you can imagine. Um, Other than that, yeah, it's it's a great resource that we all have at our disposal. And it's one of those things, if you're thinking about getting into fishing, you're not sure, or you're a recreational guy and you're having mediocre success you know going on a charter is a great way to cut that learning curve uh i know for myself uh, anybody that asks me any questions i'll tell you everything i know when you're here uh you have my full attention and i will be more than happy to share that information with you
1: all right thanks so much again matthew uh matthew Baning. Also, uh, Rick Mensell, you're going to win tonight the uh, Fishhawk swag package. Go ahead and drop us a line with your address of the private message there on Facebook, and we'll get that out to you Uh, next week. We're going to have Trevor Sumption on from Fishhawk, my boss. And uh, we've actually been getting a lot of questions. People have been asking about Fishhawk, and we don't really answer it on the show. We like to talk about fishing, not about Fishhawk. And we decided, you know what, we're going to try to answer everything that you've thought about Uh, fishhawk and all the questions that you get we're going to try to answer those next week so if you've got questions about fishhawk make sure you join us next week for fishhawk live for captain matthew Baining, i'm chris larson thanks again for watching and listening tonight and we will talk to you next time
0: thanks for listening to the great lakes fishing podcast presented by fishhawk electronics for more information on fishing the great lakes visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com